Today's episode of Wine Time Fridays is brought to you in part by our friends at Seven Cellars and Elsom Cellars. Two icons, John Elway and Robert Mondavi Jr., have joined forces to produce Seven Cellars, crafting exceptional California wines since 2015. Visit sevencellars.com and use promo code It's Wine Time at checkout for 20% off and free shipping on all orders, or find them at participating locations. Seven Cellars, excellence in every sip. Good times and great wines are meant to be shared. Since 2006, Elsom Cellars has been producing 100% local Washington wine from Washington's top vineyards. Visit ElsomCellars.com for more information or simply call 425-298-3082. So it's, it's a balance of respecting that value and then also respecting the value that I hold about um, feeling like the wine is, you know, worth more than what people pay for it. Yeah, I want them to feel like it's it's that good. They would have been okay with paying more. It's been a long week, right? Are you ready to wind down? Why not? It's time for the Wine Time Fridays podcast with Shelley and Phil. Neither are sommeliers, but both have a deep passion for life, each other, and of course, delicious wine. And now, here to talk about this week over a glass of wine is Shelly and Phil. It's wine time. Hello and welcome to another episode of Wine Time Fridays with Shelly and Phil on this Friday, November 24th, episode 188. By the way, today is Carmen Year Day. Yeah. And we only have five more episodes this year. Hard to believe. It's yeah. really hard to believe. Shelly, happy Friday. It's wine time. Happy Friday. Shelly always feels so silly with people that don't know about the wine bill. <laughs> um, and our listeners are very well versed uh, on the fact that we were on 10 acres and worked really hard. And at the end of the day, with her very soft voice, um, she's like, wine time, wine time. <laughs> and I couldn't hear. So we got a wine bell that's on the house to this day uh-huh. that when we're in the yard gets rang. But now we have our little cute wine bill, which is one of the monikers of our Wine Time Fridays podcast. Today, we have another guest. What? Uh, I was just going to say, this is from Salvation Army, where we're going to be ringing the bells for the Salvation Army. And we'll talk all about that next week when we get to regroup. It'll be the first time in uh, a long time without a guest. And so kind Mm -hmm. of regroup, but... Speaking of, we have a guest today. We have from Iola Wines, we have Marilee Bramhall. And uh, Marilee, welcome to Wine Time Fridays. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to be here with you. So Marilee resides in the Seattle area. And so that would make perfect sense that we are recording this while she's in New York and we're in <laughs> Coeur d'Alene. That does make perfect sense. So, uh, Marilee, why don't you tell the listeners, because this is basically a couple of weeks ago that you're there, but why were you in New York while I'm I, opening our first bottle of wine? 
Oh, excellent. Yeah, you get going on that. And I will tell you, I've been in New York this week for um, a week long event called New York Champagne Week. And they celebrated their um, 10th anniversary this year of New York Champagne Week. So I was here for specifically for the Wednesday night event, which was focused on um, really it's women in champagne. And so it was an event all about Iola wines. And um, we poured five, five of our um, beautiful champagnes that was really wonderful and um got to share the stories of wine growers and the women wine growers and champagne that we work with and hear a lot of people raving about the champagne that was really exciting so the events gone on all week each night there's a different event and um last night was the last night thank goodness because i couldn't do another (laughs) night (laughs) you know uh be careful what you wish for (laughs) And don't right. speak those words too loudly. And then the wine gets taken away. And that's no good at all. No, that is no good. So Merrily uh, packed two thirds of the wines that Shelly and I will be uh, tasting tonight. Uh, but she's going to be tasting, I believe, the first two, if I'm not mistaken. That's uh, right. Is that mm-hmm. right? Okay. So the first one is a 2021 Matto White Filo Divino. Did I say that right? That's the producer. Yes. Beautiful. Uh, this is a white blend. No, this is 100% Verdicchio. This is 100% Verdicchio, not yeah. a white blend. Uh, for those of us who didn't do the research, there should have, you know. Oh, you don't have to do any research. That's what you got me for. That's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> and this is a beautiful, beautiful time of the episode when our dog just went into her kennel. Uh, Shelly, you have your glass, Marilee? I do. Beautiful. To health, wealth, and abundance, gratitude, romance, and peace on earth. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> nice. I like it. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is delightful. It is. Um, mm-hmm. tell, tell us a little bit about the Verdicchio. Okay. I would love to tell you about Verdicchio. Yeah. So Verdicchio is um, like quite a few Italian white wasn't it's native to Italy to the Marche region of Italy, which is on the Adriatic coast and about the central part of the boot. Um, oh, it's got such great acidity on the finish there. My mouth's watering. Um, it's almost a little effervescent, slightly, mm-hmm, slightly tiny bit. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a golden color. Really nice. Is it on Oak at all? This? No. This one is is not. No. And what I love about Verdicchio is that it's one of several white grapes that um, has potential for long aging. And, you know, as you this is a superiore. And and as you get into reservas there, you know, there's quite wonderful potential for long aging and evolution of these wines. So Verdicchio is, you know, we know it goes back to about something like the 14th century. So it's been uh, cultivated for a long time. And um, there's a great story about this producer and, you know, kind of how they, how they started and the woman that is actually making these um, wines as well and what their philosophies are in the vineyard as well as the cellar. It's pretty interesting. Um, Yeah. So. And who um, is this woman winemaker? What is her her, name? Her name's Ginevra Espositi. And this is actually one of only two producers I work with where it's a family that owns the, the winery, the estate, the vineyard and cellar. Um, 
but they've hired someone externally to come in and, and do all of their analogy and winemaking for them. So oh, the wow. family, I mean, I, the families actually, they are um, originally from Milan. They and re- were in the textile business. They retired from the textile business and wanted to have a wine adventure. Like so many, so many of us, <laughs> they were craving mm-hmm. a wine adventure in their life. Um, so they, they went looking all over, really all over the country. And when they got to where Filo Divino is now, and it's very close to the Adriatic, the Marque is an interesting region because of the fact that it's very hilly. You don't have a whole, I mean, it's like mount, mountainous. Italy is a lot more mountainous than most people realize. Mm. And the market in particular is one where you, you almost go from basically a hill right to the beach. There's not a lot of, um, you know, plains, let's put it that way. Um, so Filo Divino is located in, in a place where it's very close to the Adriatic. You can look out and see the, the Adriatic Sea from, from the vineyards and um, beautiful rolling hills. And when um, when they saw this property, it was had been abandoned. And there were quite a few um, very old vines of Verdicchio. And what they, their, their passion really is to cultivate um, native grape varieties, native <laughs> Italian grape varieties. It is pronounced Marche though, right? It's M-A-R-C-H-E. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the Marche is where, um, Verdicchio is native too. And, you know, it's like I said, been grown for a few hundred years now, several hundred years since about, we think the 14th century. Um, and it's, I, I'm a big fan of this wine. I'm a big fan of Ginevra. Um, she's got wonderful ideas for how she, I mean, they have done a great thing in hiring her because she came from Tuscany. She's been working with Sangiovese for a long time and that's a grape she's got a lot of passion for. So this is an adjustment to move to different grapes and specifically to working with a white grape. Um, This one is not an indigenous yeast fermentation, but she is um, all about indigenous yeast fermentations. So I, my, my, uh, I, I suspect that in an, you know another vintage or two, she will have the owners um, feeling comfortable enough to take the risk of allowing her to do an indigenous yeast fermentation. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very excited about her and her energy, and you know, in the vineyard, some of the things she's doing, uh, lots of following biodynamic uh, practices, even though they have not pursued certification, they're certified organic in the EU. Um, but in the vineyard, she's doing things like, you know, she's using daikon uh, for cover crops as well as mustard and daikon specifically because it has a good ability to open up the soil and help to aerate the soil that way. So, um, and then, you know, low, low, low intervention as much as possible. Um, some of her other cuvées, she's doing some things with Amphora that is, you know, they're really interesting. I hope to have some of those, some of that Verdicchio in the future. It's it's exciting and um, it's even more exciting than this one. So have, you, you got to stop me, jump in and stop. Oh, me. I'm, I'm going to have so many there. comments. I, I want to, I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about the food pairings on this mm-hmm. uh, and, and the cover crops. I I'm, I'm loving that, yeah. you know, uh, again, wine, is starts in the farm. <laughs> it does. I mean, so, yeah, the best yeah. wine starts in the vineyard and, yeah. and, and wine is food. And it's easy for a lot of people, I think, to forget that wine actually, this is food. And so in the same way that we're 
you know, want to be conscientious about how we grow our produce. It's for me, it's the same thing with wine. I, I want it to be grown and made as naturally as possible. We, yes. we were watching because we wrapped up our Apostle Robles uh, uh, series a couple of weeks ago, but we watched it again recently because of our trip there. We wanted to kind of. Tin City. Yeah. Tin City, the documentary. And you said something. And I know this is wrong because I just had it dictate off the video, but it's basically what you said. Wine is everything. Food. It's the weather outside. It's where the vineyards planted. It's science. Um, all of the above. And I just love that. My comment on your Iola Wines website is thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, during the course of your uh, telling us about this, I have the, in our notes on my end, I have the link to this wine. And it's got everything you'd ever want to know, including food pairings like charcuterie, including Serrano ham, cured salami. The list is large and large grilled (laughs) tuna and salmon. Yeah. I mean, it's really mozzarella. Do you pronounce that camembert? Yes. How about that? Mm -hmm. I got Mm -hmm. some French cheese, sort of like a brie. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. So anyway, I wanted to compliment you on the website. uh, Because I, I really believe that once you built that, then you just start uh, replacing it as the the information gets updated. Mm-hmm. And I just thank you so much for that because so many wineries uh, kind of their website is their Facebook page, which makes really yeah. no sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to say about each wine and um, thank you for this feedback. I really appreciate it um, because I take pains over it, <laughs> over this and the same, sure. same thing for the, the um, inserts that I write for our um, club allocations, I spend a lot of time writing those inserts so that when people open up the box and they open up the insert, there's, uh, you know, not only a tasting note and food pairings, but there's information about the grape, if it's maybe a, a native grape. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you're looking at the tissue paper. Yes. What Did a you nice like, you little... like grape tissue? I he love does. the nice little touches on the, on this mm-hmm. stuff. Yes. Um, I, you know, uh, I think it was today or yesterday because I've had this tissue on the table and Shelly's like going to pick it up and throw it away. I'm going, no, no, no. That's my reminder to and mention this. That, that tissue paper is recyclable and compostable. So you can nice. use oh, that tissue paper. Compost yes. uh, bin will love this. Well, yes. There's some other people that save it and they use it to wrap gifts. Yeah, um, I guess I was a little rough on it. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> That's not going to wrap any gifts. Uh, I, I get excited when wine comes, Marilee. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> uh, back to Shelly's question about Iola wines. And yeah. and what what kind of inspired you to get this going? Because you are a sommelier. Uh, yeah. So I'm not a certified som. I've been up through the W set side of things. Um, so, and I'm, I've become an educator. So I've, you know, done the wine scholar guild programs for French wine scholar and Italian wine scholar, and I'm credentialed to teach French wine scholar. And then I do a lot of, um, master classes for, um, private client master classes. Um, how did Iola start? Well, um, there's a kind of a longer story and a shorter story. So I'll try to keep it concise as possible. You know, like we all have a, we all have a journey, right? 
Sure. Um, it takes many twists and turns along the way. Um, I started importing back in 2017. And at that point, I was selling wholesale. And I had just a, a small book of wines and a small book of customers in Seattle. And I was looking at, you know, how to how to grow. And I had a lot of um, friends and family members asking repeatedly, well, can I just buy some of the wine from you? And I said, no, you know, I'm not, I don't have that kind of license. So no, I can only sell to restaurants and, and, you know, small retail. That's primarily what I did with restaurants. So in, in 2020, um, February or so, I had about six pallets of wine arrive from um, France and Italy. And from the beginning, it's always been women producers and it's always been organic, sustainable, biodynamic um, viticulture. So um, all this wine arrived in February, 2020. And then, um, we all know what happened in March of 2020, March something, 15th. Something else arrived in 2020 <laughs> around that time. Yeah. Yeah. So we went into lockdown and, um, you know what, in that, it, it's funny when it's so easy now that we're kind of on the other side of that to, I think, forget what that feeling of absolute uncertainty was in March of 2020. You know, no one had any idea what was going to happen. It was, things felt very uncertain. And um, so it felt very uncertain for my, all my restaurant clients. I lost all my customers in one day, March 15th of 2020. All of a sudden I had no customers and no legal way to sell all the wine that I had. Uh, I'd been thinking, all these people have been asking, how, you know, can I just buy the wine? So I've been thinking about, well, could I start a wine club? I wonder if that would work. Would people even be interested? Maybe what I should do is just build a small little website and see, you know, is this going to go anywhere? <laughs> so I, I, you know, built my own goofy little website. I basically did everything. I, I used to say I was the chief everything officer. I did all my accounting and bookkeeping, which I didn't know how to do. I had to learn how to do that. I built it, you know, a funny little website because I didn't want to invest a lot of money if it sure. wasn't going to be something that people were interested in. Yep. So what happened was it was um, a lot of customers. My customers are women and women have this thing where when they find something good, something cool, they like to share it with their friends. So this was women, um, friends telling friends, telling friends. And then eventually um, my husband was, he, he sat up and took notice of what I was doing and said, um, I think you're onto something, you know, maybe we should really work on developing this business and expanding it. So that's what's happened. It's, it took a, uh, you know, I sold all that wine um, that I had at the beginning and, um, and then it, it took some time to actually do the branding. And that was quite a um, fascinating process to get us a look that really tells a story about who we are as a brand and then um, building a new website and um, getting licenses to ship to other States. And, you know, that's all these infrastructure pieces that take some time, not to mention the sourcing of all the wine. So now I'm um, working with about 40 different producers between France and Italy. And I like to tell people I'm, um, I'm part wine importer and part wine detective. Because it, it takes some time to find these wines. And, and because I only work with um, women-owned and or women-made, um, that you know further reduces the options for producers I could be working with and wines that I, I could be buying. So, um, so that's, that's, the, that's the short story. 
And you say that you all you actually go out into the vineyards with the winemaker. I do. Make sure that everything is aligned. Hundred percent. Yeah. If if you um, if you have a bottle of Iola wines, then that means I've been there. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is. So it's a great time to mention that we now have our Wine Time Friday series page, Mm -hmm. and uh, front and center is women in wine. Why is that important? Because like still the vast majority of wine that's made in the world are, are male winemakers, but yeah, what's the percentage of wine purchased? purchased. By women? Yes. I mean, yeah. So basically we're looking at about 15, it's only about 15 or 20% of, of winemakers worldwide are women. Um, and and yeah. to your point, that's, we're not even talking about the volume of wine made. If we looked at like, you know, on a per liter basis, how, right. how, how much is made by men versus women, women are even, you know, less represented sure. on the flip side. Women are the ones that purchase wine. I mean, we know it's up to 80%. Some stats say up to 85% of wine purchases are made by women in America. Yeah. That's amazing. It's yeah. fascinating when I when I do, um, well, I mean, I, I said this to a, a, the group here earlier this week at Champagne Week. You know, when I, when I shared that stat, there's, I just see the room, look around the room, all the jaws are dropping. And I, you know, and I, I t- when I share this stat with people, then the next question is, well, how do I, how do I find wines that are made by women? And I, and I was like, well, that's why I started Iola. You start, you start <laughs> you know, Iola, when you get through the Iola wines, then you can look elsewhere, but you've got 40 at least to go with yep. times how many wines those producers are making. And it made perfect sense. What you said that um, wine and vineyards were handed down from father to son, not father to daughter. And it's, you know, it's starting to change. Um, but I, I'm a firm believer that the way to see this change is to, for us to continue asking for wine that's made by women. I think that's the only way it's going to change. Um, and it's interesting, you know, there's, there's several producers I work with where it's, there's daughters working with a father who's approaching retirement and, you know, going to be leaving. And there's, there's different, stories you know there's many of these fathers that are absolutely so proud of their daughters and just and it's just it's so just wonderful to 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 see how proud um these fathers are of their daughters and and what they're what they're doing um and how they're innovating really um how they're thinking differently and changing things you know what they're doing in the vineyard different differently thinking about being organic a lot of times that the organic conversion process happens because of a woman oftentimes well that is a great segue as we go into a break to hear from elsom sellers and jody elsom oh another woman in wine and when we come back we're going to get into a rosé and maybe talk a little bit about the differences of how men and women drink wine taste wine and the differences when we come back with merely bramhall Wine gathers its taste from everything it encounters. The earth, the air, everything leaves a mark and so do people. If we are sipping great wine with strangers, before long we find out just how much we all have in common. Quality grapes and great wines are meant to be shared and so are good times with new friends. At Elsom Cellars, we have been producing 100% 
local Washington wine from Washington's top vineyards since 2006. Owner Jody Elsom is a pioneer in the Seattle urban winery movement and has been producing brilliant Washington wines in the city while exploring the complexities found only in vineyards east of the Cascades. Not only do we have the wine and our popular Corks on the Loose Wine Club, we also have the venue, a quick five-minute drive south of downtown Seattle or a simple 10-minute walk from the Soto Link Light Rail Station. And we think we throw a pretty good party, too. Check out our upcoming events by visiting elsomcellars.com. Follow us on social for the latest on everything happening at the winery or simply call 425-298-3082. You know, this Sperdicchio is really, really good with celery. Celery? Is that what you're having yeah. it with? <laughs> uh, not right now. No, I, I, I ran across that pairing um, on accident a few weeks ago, last month sometime. And that's when I started thinking, oh, this is going to be so good with stuffing on Thanksgiving. It's just going to be incredible. Can't mm-hmm. wait. Yeah. I, 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 this has got so many, so many options. Um, uh-huh. Welcome back to Wine Time Fridays. You caught us in the middle of a, of a conversation while we were hearing from Jody Elsom and uh, and all of that uh, great wine that they're producing over at Elsom Cellars. By the way, Mary Lee, have you been down to Elsom Cellars uh, down there in the Soto District? I have not. Jody is awesome. They're making great, great juice, and uh, they're just a hop skip from downtown Seattle. Well, I need to pay a visit, it sounds like. You yep. do. I don't, I don't get out enough, I will say. I spend too much time working. Yeah, I think we all can can maybe relate to that, mm-hmm. um, which is a nice way to remind us to reset and uh, go back to that balance of life. However, if you like what you're doing, then does it really work? That's a good question. Thank you. Yeah. I have my moments. So uh, when we last talked before we went to break, I said something about um, kind of how men and women approach wine differently. We're going to get that kind of explanation from Mary Lee as we pour this 20, oh, where are they? 2022 Valtanesi del Garda Cherietto. Okay. Oh, this is going to be fun. Did I say it right? It's Valtenesi, and and it's Chiaretto. So I said it so, so, so wrong. <laughs> well, do you know what, Phil? I said it wrong for a long time, and I was trained by the woman that makes this wine. Well, I will say. Her name's, right? her name's Giovanna. And Giovanna. She's very, she's very particular about everything, right down to these bottles, which she designed herself. They're pretty, yeah. This yeah. is yeah, this is fantastic artwork. Yeah, it is. It's a great bottle to save just to use as a water carafe or something. Um, because it's so just they're so pretty. Uh, yeah. and she designed her labels as well. Yeah. So the first one that we had, the Verdicchio, 2650 a bottle. Yeah. This uh rose, 2650 a bottle. Uh hashtag cheersing. 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 Cheers. Oh, it looks beautiful in your glass, too. Doesn't it? It's beautiful. And it smells beautiful. And this is such a unique wine. I won't get started talking about it until you want me to do that, though. Well, I want to know about the differences. 
uh, how men and women approach wine. And then oh, we right. need to dive into this for sure. Yeah. Oh, there's so wow. much to say about this wine. So, but let's talk about men and women, how they yeah. approach wine differently. Let's yeah. Do that. Yeah. So a lot of times um, men s- seem to be focused on the, their wine purchases are um, what a lot of people call vanity bottles. You know, mm. they want to, they're buying a wine to impress. to impress. Well said. That's very well said. It's, it's sounds a lot more diplomatic than how I probably would have, I would have said it in a very awkward <laughs> <Yeah>. way. So <laughs> they buy, they buy wines generally to impress. Whereas women don't typically think about it that way. They're oftentimes they're looking for, um, they have something in mind that maybe they want a rosé. They might be thinking about um, a dinner that they're making if they're entertaining and having company for dinner or if it's holiday time and they're thinking about wines to go with, you know, recipes that they're making. Or they are, you know, I think that women tend to think of wine more as it's about togetherness and fun. Um, Sometimes, you know, all of us just want a wine that's um, easy accessible, to easy yeah. to drink, pleasant, you know. I mean, I always, I always say to people when I'm teaching master classes, you know, we no longer live in the era where uh, we're drinking wine because it's safer to drink than the water. That's this true. Ser- serves no pleasure other, uh, serves no purpose other than your pleasure. So right. if it's not giving you pleasure, then dump it in the dump bucket and let's find something uh-huh. that is really, really enjoyable. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the big difference between how men and women approach is men are oftentimes buying to impress and women are thinking about it in a, not at all that way. I think I've noticed that women are very interested in the stories behind the bottles. They want to know about where did it come from and who made it. And, you know, and we're getting, I think, especially, you know, the generations that are coming after me are, they're focused on where their food comes from. They want to understand that. And I think that's catching on, you know, that, that, um, from farm perspective. From farm yeah, to table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that mm-hmm. seems to be a lost art these days. Uh, and I hope we get back to that. Here's one of the things I wanted to mention about that. Uh, you know, here at Wine Time Fridays, our goal early on was to cut into our wine budget, which it's worked. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number two, and it quickly became this, is to help educate with the stories. Mm-hmm. because so many of our listeners are on the front end of their wine journey, but try to find those. What I like, you know, Trevor, the Q, the QPR uh, wines, the quality to price ratio that get that quality. I mean, I'm sorry, this is under 30 bucks for um, an outstanding Rose. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's off the charts. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are wines out there. It is our, uh, uh, target is to try to find those and get that stuff to our, you know, the different wines to our listeners. And but, so in this case, our listeners can go to the website. Yeah. To find these and, and by the way, in the show notes has uh, every, every one of these wines, you will have a link to these wines as well as the whole Iola uh, portfolio. But I will tell you this, Marilee. Yes. So we are, our, our house white has been for almost years now, the J. Lore Chardonnay. Okay. Okay. It's a, it, it always delivers. It's inexpensive. I, we don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and and we're involved in the Gary V Wine Club. So you get, you know, somewhere between 100 and 130. Uh, I would be surprised if he wasn't at that event this week. Uh, you get 100 $130 worth of wine for $60. Okay, that's fantastic. And it's all over the place. And there was a $60 Chardonnay from Napa that came in. And I went blind with Shelly. Nice. For them, right? And yeah. she immediately recognized the J-Lore. Okay. And said this other one is is really good, but is it is it fifty dollars better? Yeah. So that's the question, right? That's yeah. Is it fifty dollars better? Mm-hmm. Is Opus One at three three fifty? Is that is that three hundred dollars better than a fifty dollar red blend from Walla Walla or Italy or even Bordeaux? Right. Yeah. So yeah. That's and there is. There's just some incredible wines um, coming. I mean, I come across incredible wines that I feel like, wow, um, when I taste it and I look at the price point where I have it, I always want people to taste it and feel like they would have been actually okay with paying more yeah. for it. Yeah. That's, usually, that's what I'm going for is I want people to feel like it's worth more than what they paid for it. Last week we had Jesse on with Trevino, also an importer. It's kind of like two weeks in a row we're, we're um, away from the U.S. wines and we have importers on. But those uh, out of South Africa, super value driven, uh, you know, and it's just yeah. those are the little gems. By the way, at some point it's going to hit the tipping point and they're going to it's like Washington yeah. wines have yeah. been so value driven yeah. versus like California wines. But now right. they're starting to get spendy. It's going to force mm-hmm. California wines down to all balance out because the market is, you know, wine is market driven like anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, just keep your prices here. Everyone mm-hmm. will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I do my best for that. Um, of and course. You know, it's a tricky thing for me because I really believe that women should be paid for their work. And I've never asked a producer to lower her price or give me a discount um, because I believe women should be paid for their work. So it's, it's a balance of respecting that value and then also respecting the value that I hold about um, feeling like the wine is, you know, worth more than what people pay for it. Yeah. I want them to feel like it's, it's that good. They would have been okay with paying more. And right, and these natural wines are less inclined to give people a headache. So yeah, that's always good as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's. I mean, I'm. I, I can't make any health claims. I can share anecdotal um, stories, though, from Our lots of customers. Yeah, lots and lots of customers that find that when they're drinking organic wines. Um, they have a completely different experience with how they feel the next day after they've had a glass or two. Shelly Webb, did you know you just did? No. Do you know what our CDA gourmet wine word of the week week is? is? I can't pronounce that. (laughs) No. What is it? I I didn't do that. It's natural wine. Oh, it is? Yeah. Yeah. I, I toyed with, then your own. Name. Yeah, the uh, French word for female winemaker. I, I mm-hmm. it's on our note. It's really as yep. a wine word of the week. Um, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, on your notes, Marilee, does it say natural wine is the wine words of the week? Yes. Yeah. So I gave Shelly a 
a bad a bad uh, set of notes. Shame on me. Uh, mm -hmm. But we are going to talk about that one as well. But yeah, the CDA Gourmet Wine Words of the Week is natural wine. So we have a little definition down. But Marilee, I would love for you to educate us all on the correct and uh, real life definition as you know it. Oh, I love this question. It's so much fun because um, it's a topic that, you know, we could, I'm sure the three of us with a bottle or two of wine could sit around for hours talking about it because there is no, you know, accepted definition of natural wine worldwide. So um, the way that I look at it is nothing added, nothing taken away. That's the strictest definition of it in my opinion. So every, you know, everything in the vineyard is done organically or biodynamically. And then in the cellar and the winemaking process, you're not adding anything or taking anything away from a filtration and finding a filtration perspective. So indigenous yeast fermentations, um, just letting the wine. I mean, there's a couple producers I work with specifically in France. There's two that just their faces pop up in my mind when I talk about um, natural wine, because what they say to me and the word that they use in French is surveiller, which means they're monitoring They're, I mean, the way I think of it is they're surveying. So they're, they're not doing anything. And sometimes that's the hardest thing is to not do something. Mm -hmm. They're just paying attention. They're monitoring, paying attention to what's going on through the fermentation, through the vinification process, but they're not adding anything to make the wine taste a certain way or look a certain way or smell a certain way. Um, they're just, you know, working with what that particular vintage gave. Watching yeah. nature take its course. Beautifully put. Yes. Yeah. Beautifully put. Try not to get in the way. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, it, I mean, we call ours naturally made because, you know, there's a spectrum and it's really hard to find absolute, you know, purity. We definitely have some that meet that nothing added, nothing taken away um, definition. But, for me, naturally made is you're farming organically, or if you're not certified, then you're practicing. You're at least practicing some kind of sustainable viticulture. Um, and you're, the, the seller is low intervention. The, you know, you're just doing as little as possible to the wine. So, and for me, I'm looking for that organic certification if I can get it. Um, or, you know, it's part of visiting is seeing what's going on. Um, and I know that there, there are a lot of producers that they're small and they, they don't have a lot of time or money. And organic certification is, it can be costly and it's, it's really costly in terms of time, um, which can be difficult for, for a lot of these women. And, you know, many of them um, are moms in addition to um, being wine growers there. They have young kids and that takes up a lot of time too. So. What is yeah. it? It's a claret, uh, Bordeaux brand, uh, Bordeaux blend with the certification that it's a claret. You pay a lot of money to get that word on there. Uh, mm -hmm. Just make a Bordeaux blend and make it really good, so you don't have to do all that. It's the same with organically or certified organic. Uh, why don't you just do it? <laughs> it's uh -huh. better practices anyway, and yeah. you let people know. Yeah, we can't put that on the label, but we are, and we take a lot of pride in that. Uh, right. I, I just think that's super, super important. There are the grapes in this Sangiovese, Marzamino, and Barbera. 
and 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 don't forget Gropello. Gropello is the one that's um, it's really that's an important grape because it's native to that particular area on Lake Garda where this wine is grown. And you know, it's an interesting wine because it's a field blend. These um, these vines are all living together in the vineyard, and it's yeah. the last time I was there was um, earlier this year in the springtime, and it was so fun to see. Um, the different stages of bud break happening. You know, some of the vines wake up from their winter dormancy earlier than others. And um, just it's the vineyard is beautiful in that it, it's been an organic vineyard for you know, a long, long time. And it, there's a sense of life and vibrancy and um, it's a very tranquil place as well. Wildflowers growing and, um, you know, bees buzzing around, birds. That's awesome. When (laughs) you say field blend, are they harvesting and putting it in the hopper all together? They're co-planted. So, yes, they do. Oh, that is fantastic. So, I mean, you don't really know the makeup of this. Right. But you know the varietals that are in it. Exactly. That's... And what I love is they're, you know, they're all um, native Italian grapes. I mean, I can get going talking about the native grapes of Italy for a long time, <laughs> but I'll just keep this one short. The other thing I love about this wine is it's um, there's where, you know, we know that 2000 years ago, the Romans loved their wine everywhere. They, you know, everywhere they conquered, they took the vine with them. And through the, that process of conquering and, taking the vine, they found two places that they identified as wonderful places to make rosé. One of them is Provence and mm. the other is um, Lake Garda. And that's where this, this Chiretto has a great tradition of um, rosé that has you know started a long, long time ago. Um, so yeah, it's a fun, super fun um, rosé. Say that this beautiful rosé can pair with almost any dish from pad thai to grana padano cheese. Yeah, that's fun. This is, you know, what else? It's really good with is hummus, and you know, like plant-based dips. If you're doing, um, you know, like an appetizer thing, whether it's holiday time or not, if you're just having guests over for dinner, or you know, sometimes um, my husband and I, what we like to do on a Friday night is. We have a picnic dinner and, you know, we'll have, you know, some cheese and charcuterie and we'll probably have some hummus and maybe some, you know, some other, maybe tzatziki or something. Usually hummus is what we have and vegetables. And this is fabulous. It works so well. Yeah. Sounds like a fun tradition. Oh, I, we it, need to do that. Too. Yeah. You know, there, <laughs> there are those stories again. Uh, tradition is a great thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And when you lock in on the, you don't have to do everything the same all around every every time. You tweak it up, but it's that yeah. core tradition, right? Yeah. So much fun. So mm-hmm. much fun. Uh, yeah. We're going to take one more break. Mm-hmm. And when we come back, we are going to uh, open up a red, Marilee. I'm so excited for you to taste this. I'm, 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 open it, I'm open super it now. excited. Like get it in your glass quick and swirl it around. So we will do that. And uh, we'll be back in a moment. What does pro football legend John Elway and wine world icon Robert Mondavi Jr. have in common? Seven Cellars, exceptional California wine that is as affordable as it is delicious. With the success of Elway's Steakhouses, John saw a need for quality wine that was as top tier as the Elway brand. 
He immediately built a superior winemaking team and partnered with esteemed winemaker Robert Mondavi Jr. to release the company's first vintage of reserve wines, the Elway's Reserve, which is exceptional Napa Valley single vineyard wines. Since then, Seven Cellars has added the Farm Collection, available at an everyday price point, and the name is a nod to Elway's college football days at Stanford University, where the home stadium was fondly called the Farm. Savor these wines while enjoying the finer moments life brings. You can find Seven Cellars at your favorite wine retailer or as a loyal listener to Wine Time Fridays, you can have them delivered right to your front door with 20% off and free shipping by visiting sevencellars.com and using promo code It's Wine Time at checkout. Seven Cellars, excellence in every sip. Uh, welcome back to Wine Time Fridays with Shelly and Phil and Marilee Bramhall with Iola Wines. That deserves an exclamation point. Oh, perfect timing. So we are going to do a rinse pour on this, especially now the rinse pour that I normally do, I will I'll just drink it. <laughs> but because we have our fabulous Wine Time Friday's spit bucket, dump, dump bucket, I'm going to do that. And we're not yeah. turning it into cold duck. <laughs> no, we're not. No, that's just wrong on so many levels. Uh, there's so many. Oh, look at that pour. Look at the That's color. A giant pour. Uh, what we have is a 2018 Gratis Padere I Valoni Nebbiolo. I got the Nebbiolo right. <laughs> yep, yep. There's another grape in there too. Really? It's 15% Vespalina. 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 So that's another native grape. Um, Nebbiolo, we know, is native to the northern part of Italy. But there's a little bit of, uh, let's just say some, well, let's say this. There's a lot of research going on right now to narrow down um, where Nebbiolo is actually born. Was it in the Longue, in, you know, Barolo and Barbaresco country, or was it actually over in Lombardia, in, um, in the northern part, in Valtellina? In Valtellina, the, the Nebbiolos are, it's Nebbiolos known as Chiavanesca, and it's, um, they're different. They're very pure and, and volcanic soil there, and it's, it's, if you haven't been there, you got to go. Um, so it, there, there's a lot of reason to think that, that Nebbiolo is actually native to, to Valtellina and Lombardia and not to the Longue. So, um, but all of that to say, this wine doesn't come from either of those places. It comes from Alto. It comes from Alto Piemonte, um, and it's from an area. Um, the 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 more well known DOC up there is Boca, and um, this one comes from a DOC called Colline Novaresi, which is right next to Boca. And um, the producer Anna Sertorio is um, just one of my favorite producers to work with. She's such a what a story and such a star. She. Um, Lots of just guts, absolute guts. I mean, she she was in a five generation law practice with her dad, and um, wow. and and he died in two thousand eleven. And she had to decide: would she continue the law practice, or would she can continue Podere Avaloni? And um, she had young kids at the time; it was a real tough decision. And she, of course, chose Podere Avaloni to continue um, that. So she started with a consulting enologist and a consulting agronomist. And after the first vintage, she told um, she told the agronomist that she wanted to convert to organic. And 
he told her that was just ridiculous. Like <laughs> what a big mistake that would be. What are you thinking? <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. And so yeah, those are the best ones to say, I'm thinking this, I'm going to do it. And I'm going <laughs> to kill it. That's, and that's exactly what she's done. She fired him and promptly started converting to organic. And now she is working with UNESCO to doing a study on how to increase butterfly habitat in the vineyard. Nice. Wow. Nice. That's Anna amazing. is like, you just can't help but fall in love with her and this place. So this is a very naturally made wine, um, indigenous yeast fermentation, and it's called Gratus. And um, they call it Gratus um, for a few reasons. There's um, a lot of local history about um, a saint in the area. The other thing, the other reason, the big reason um, is because about 245 million years ago, where she lives is, was the Valsesia volcano, and it imploded. And it shot out all these what she calls bombs, um, which are these giant rocks and these big, I mean, there's these huge stones all over her property. So this is grown in volcanic soil. So this is um, exciting to see Nebbiolo, how it expresses in volcanic soil versus what we have in the Longue. And, and then Vespolina is actually related to Nebbiolo. So her belief is that they make very good blending partners. And, you know, we know that Nebbiolo and the Longue is, that's got to age for a while before mm -hmm. you can, you know, tolerate it. Think, um, think of your Barolos, right? Exactly. You yeah. want to lay those yeah. down a whole long time. Yeah. And same with Barbarescos. Exactly. Mm -hmm. This Now, the, the exciting thing about Anna's wines, um, her, she makes a Boca DOC that, that I sell. It's a it's an expensive wine for us. It's about 50, around 50, 48 or 50 a bottle. Um, and the one that, that we're selling is a uh, 2012 or 13. So, you know, it's already got 10 years on it and it's yeah. going to, it's got 20 more to go easily. It's, you can drink it now or you can keep it for another 20 years easily. Um, I love Gratus because of its complexity and, um, because of the savory elements that, that show up in this wine. Um, every time I, and I've got, um, customers that absolutely love this wine too. I mean, I, people will buy this, you know, six or 12 at a time because it's, um, it's delicious and interesting. And, um, it's an interesting Italian red wine. I find well, what, what, what did two of you think of it? I'm about to taste it. <laughs> we can't taste till we toast to Anna and hashtag choosing. Oh, that was. Safe. I wish I had a glass of that. I really I do. Know. <laughs> I know. I have to rely on you to tell me what I'm missing. It's five years old. It could still lay down. A long time. A long time. <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah. I, I'm getting dark, uh, dark fruit, dark raspberry, yeah. black cherry, things like that. Um, yeah. A little, little, little. I'm not good at this stuff, <laughs> but a little, little pepper. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> is what I'm getting. Again, I'm not good at that at white all. White pepper? I didn't yeah. say white pepper. Oh, that's an excellent, um, Shelly, that is an excellent call. If if Anna was sitting here, she would tell you white pepper. Yay. Yay, Shelly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, and I it is like on the finish, if you sit with that wine and just contemplate it for a moment on the finish, you will you will taste the white pepper. And I get a little anise in there too. Yes, yeah. It, there's, I do too. Um, there's a, a nice sort of a licorice herbal element mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then once it's in the glass for a while, it's get into, you know, more, a little bit more savory, like more of the leather savory elements like that. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. just fun to see how wines evolve, even in a short period of time out of the glass. Um, This uh, rosé had a very long finish. Actually, all of these had beautiful finishes that just stayed with you. They're, they're not in down and done. They are mm-hmm. kind of staying with you a little bit. And I'm still, I've still got a little bit of this on the back sides of my tongue. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, yeah, a, it's which absolutely delicious. The Italians would tell you that that is the sapidity. Sapidity? sapidity. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a cute word. I like it. Yeah. Maybe that could be the wine word sometimes. When I edit these, I, I, I'm, Cause I listen to these, the audio all the way through and this is the little thing and I'll just go, there it is. And I'll put it down in my little uh, wine word of the week notes. Cause you have to be organized on this stuff, Marilee. And uh, so yeah. this is always good because you know, you only have so many words you can use. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, what is, you've done like almost 200 episodes. So. This is episode 188, but we've only done the wine word of the week for probably maybe 120, 120. maybe only. something like well, that. That's, yeah. that's a lot of wine words, though. That's pretty cool. It is. I've had listeners say, you know, you can repeat the wine words. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's true. You could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Nicole, for that little uh, vote of confidence mm-hmm. on repeating words. Yeah. She'll like this. She's not listening to as many of our episodes because she's only drinking wine on Sundays. Not sure what got into her. Um, (laughs) Something about no sugar, low sugar, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. (laughs) Yada, yada, yada. (laughs) So Marilee, right now you are working with winemakers from Italy and France only. Yes. Are you maybe going to expand somewhere else? Yes, eventually that is the goal. But from a logistics perspective right now, Italy and France is about all we can handle. But I'll tell you the place that I really would like to, I, I, the new world is not where my heart is. I mean, I, I spent about a decade working in the business here in um, Washington and California earlier in my career before I was swept away to the old world and um, the, the excitement of things like native grapes and where grapes were born and where they first you know, appeared on the planet and how, how they express themselves in their native terroir. I feel um, like I know what country you're going to mention. So I can't wait. Well, Wines from where? Well, this is technically considered new world, but I don't really lump them in there. I think they're kind of, they're kind of in the middle. It's South Africa. I knew uh, you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I was thinking Argentina, and then I'm like, no, it's going to be Spain. No, South Africa. South Africa. There's a lot of of uh, dry farming and now yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like Shelly has me figured out. Dryland <laughs> farming, organic, conscientious viticulture. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to. This is fantastic, by the way. All all of these wines are really, really good. Um, I feel like I want to try to sneak this in before I forget. Uh, the whole reason that we're even talking with Marilee is because our friend Deanna said, Phil, you need to talk to Marilee and what she's doing, which I'm like, twist my arm. Okay. Uh, but I wanted to give a shout out, not only to Deanna, but her daughter, 
Page, who turned six years old two weeks ago today. Happy birthday, belated Page. Wine Time Friday's birthday wish. You're, you can't have wine yet, but maybe three, four yeah. years you'll get sips. Because but your mom can. That's right. <laughs> so I know that uh, there's a lot going on that day. So happy birthday, Paige. A couple of weeks late. Thank you, Deanna. Uh, real quick, we have had some wines this week. Badger Mountain Merlot. That was a or um, a certified organic wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got that one, didn't you? I think so. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, I felt like we needed to have this wine when we had Marilee on. Sunny with a chance of flowers Chardonnay. <laughs> Aww. That's a cute name. The name itself. The name. And it wasn't a bad Chardonnay. Uh, Panetti, Note, Zinfandel. We had a Kim Crawford Illuminate Roseo, um, Rose. I guess that's. And then uh, Elsom Sellers Mavedra, which may still be my favorite wine that Jody makes. Is Mavedra. That, the Mavedra. Mavedra. It's so freaking good. And she doesn't sell that. To the public, it's only to her wine club. Ah, so speaking of wine clubs, yeah. Speaking of wine you want clubs, to hear about your wine clubs. Uh, there are different clubs. Yeah, there's a few options for people that you know if, if <laughs> they're excited about women and wine. And um, you know, I like to say to people that Iola Wines is not just about women; it's about exceptional wine. And these women are making damn good wine. I feel like that's what you've experienced today. I hope yeah, that yeah. you. Yeah. You um, feel like that's what you've experienced. Mm-hmm. So our clubs are, um, they're a lot of fun. Um, the one that's, there's a couple that are super popular. The Connoisseur Club is is our most popular club. And it's because it's got a little of everything. You get some red, you get some white wines, you get some rosé every once in a while. Um, and then I, I, I like, I love sparkling wine. So there's, there's always some sparkling wine that turns up there. Um, like our November allocation, we did a, um, Cruazé from Lombardia, from Ultra Po Pavese, which is an area known for extraordinary Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, um, and particularly for sparkling. So this is a sparkling rosé that went out in November, and that's just going to be, you know, that was another one I wanted to send to you because it's just wonderful for holiday food. It's absolutely incredible. Um, So the Connoisseur Club gives, you know, a a nice, um, you know, kind of a little bit of everything. And then we have a club rouge for the red wine lovers out there. Um, sparkling club for the sparkling lovers out there, which is, includes me. And our sparkling club is nice because it's only eight bottles a year. So yeah. you just get two allocations of four bottles each. And a lot of people like to do that. It's just sort of an add on. Like if they do our petit rouge, which is only 16 bottles a year, and then they'll add the sparkling to it. And um, and this time of year is the perfect time to be having sparkling. You know, this year, because I've met so many amazing women in um, champagne in the past 18 months, um, the sparkling club is all champagne. Okay. Got and, it. I was going to ask yeah. if you had yeah. some sparklers that weren't champagnes. I, um, I mean, I have a, a lot of, um, I, I just absolutely love some of the beautiful um, traditional method sparkling wines made in Italy. There's some incredibly good um you know, where they're riddling by hand and that everything's really being done. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've sold these wines and sold them out um, because they're so good. And there's a wonderful um, element of value there where you're not, you know, you're getting something that's really quite wonderful. And, you know, there's one in particular that we sold that 
every time I poured it for people, they just fall in love. And so as a result, we're sold out of it. And it was a vintage 2015 Cortese from Gavi, Gavi de Gavi, or certified organic, hand riddled. And um, it's, I mean, I think we were selling it for like 36 a bottle. People don't understand the labor behind hand riddling sparkle. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's uh, a big deal. Talk about carpal tunnel down the road. (laughs) Right. Uh, But uh, did I'm curious at the conference that you were uh, and talking with some of the uh, the the champagne makers, right? The producers were they talking at all about this uh, climate change and how it's affecting the region in champagne because it's a real thing right now. Oh, Uh, it's a huge thing. All this fun of. English, you know, wines and a sparkler from England. And yet now they're starting to get those, those temperatures in the climate that is perfect for making sparkling wine. Yeah. I would love to hear if you had any of those conversations. Although we have, well, I I will tell you. We have one more club. I missed something. Oh, so I I just said we skipped over one of your wine clubs, but we'll go. Oh, yeah, we did. We skipped over the Lumiere Club, which is for the people that love white wine. I mean, when I started Iola, I did not have a white wine club, and I just people kept asking, "What? What about a white wine club?" And so here we we have a white wine club now, and it's Lumiere. Lumiere, yeah. And I picked that name, you know, obviously because it makes you think of something pale, but it's also or, you know, something light, but it's also, you know, people that are enlightened. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I feel like the, the enlightened um, wine drinker also enjoys white wine. Oh, yeah. you're absolutely correct about that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's, those are the clubs. I mean, um, Connoisseur and, and Club Rouge both are 24 bottles a year. So four times a year, you get six bottles in each one that for Connoisseur and Club Rouge, they actually also get a recipe from one of the producers. So nice. I don't, you know, just find recipes and put them in. So um, like in September, when Gratus went out to our club members, um, they got a recipe from Anna and it's Anna's um, Gratus risotto. So um, mm. the producers send me their, their, um, their recipes. And it's pretty funny, you know, cause they're all in grams or milliliters so i have i make the recipe first to you know make sure i can (laughs) convert it um, and have it come out uh, and then send it out to the club members and it's been really fun to share um, right Right. yeah yeah Uh well uh one of our friends who was a sponsor today the cda gourmet uh they put a recipe out every friday on their facebook page and uh it coincides real well with their uh, gourmet kitchen store and it's olivelli uh, vinegars and oils among other Ooh. things and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a whole lot of fun because I, you know, this Shelly and our listeners do, I am not a foodie, uh, but getting into wine, I have a much greater pr- appreciation for the, the pairing of food and wine. It's just so uh, it's, un, it's really undescribable <laughs> for me when you get that perfect match I, I make noises I shouldn't make in front of people. <laughs> but that's great, though. That means, I mean, then, see, when I talk to people about food and wine pairing, I, you know, what I talk about is it's about hedonism. You have to be willing to embrace hedonism. That's what we're after. We want, yeah, you know, so. <laughs> you know, as we want to make it as great as possible. And the idea is that the, the wine and food make each other better. Right. So, yep. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So back to climate change. <laughs> back to climate change. Yes. So this week, you know, was um, I'm going to say it was uh, a rather festive atmosphere. So not mm-hmm. a lot of serious conversation happening, okay. but I've had a lot of those conversations with my producers in Champaign. Oh. So Champaign is a place I go pretty regularly. It's, it usually ends up being a couple of times a year I'm in Champaign. I'm sorry. And <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Um, yeah, I mean, what's happening now is I have customers asking, you know, will you take, will you take me? Can, can me and my friends come along with you? By the way, um, why not do an excursion? Yeah. It, it'll, do an it's, Iola wine excursion. We've got room for eight and we're going to go and, and you still can get work done when you're over there, but not when I have guests, guests yeah. are my first priority. And, sure, and sure. I've been doing, I've been doing some food and wine tours with um, a great friend of mine in the Seattle area who's a chef. And um, so our, our backgrounds complement really nicely. And, um, and she's also been leading tours for the last 10 years or so. So nice. she's nice. been hiring me to come on as the wine educator for the week. And, um, and we're um, this year we're in June, we're going to Provence, and we'll be doing some, you know, visits to producers of mine, um, having meals with them, going through tasting through all of their wines with the with paired meals, and um, and then some other, you know, just low key picnics uh, in the vineyards, things like that. But, Where what yeah. restaurant is she a chef at? Let's give her a shout out. Oh, she's not. She's not a chef at a restaurant. Okay. Um, she is. I mean, when I call her a chef, she's always, you know, she doesn't like to have a lot of. Um, too much, you know, she's very modest. Let's put it yeah, that yeah. way. Sure. She's very accomplished and very modest. And she wrote a cookbook during COVID, which is full of um, mainly Italian, but also some French recipes too. And they are um, fabulous. This is one of my favorite cookbooks. I use it regularly. Her name's Kelly Sim Doritas, and um, her company is called Poji Bonesy. And it's named after the village in Tuscany. Look below in the show notes, there is a link to that book. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. She's delightful. And then, um, like I said, we're, we're taking a group to, we still have a um, spot left on this Provence tour. Nice. Y'all want to go to Provence. That would your be... listeners want to go to Provence with me. Um, there's a chance to do that in June. That's fantastic. Uh, well, we, we didn't really get the final answer on the climate change conversation, but well, we know you had wondering... it. I was wondering, though, will England, if they do start making some sparkling wines, I wonder, will they use the method champenois? <laughs> yes, I, I'm going to say yes. I know there's I would, some yeah. um, a good amount of sparkling wine production going on, and I think it's in in um, England, and I think it will continue to expand as we're dealing with climate change. I mean, for example, I can give you um, a, a quick sort of um, – vintage review of the 2023 vintage in champagne if that yeah. would be of interest yes um, and it's relates specifically to, to climate change so what happened sadly this early year, harvest in, well what happened is right before harvest they had a very warm phase like a heat wave and mm-hmm. as a result um, when you get over 95 degrees photosynthesis stops and the vine shuts down and that's what happened. So the grapes, many of the grapes did not ripen. So, and then they rotted. And if you're farming organically, then you're going to lose a lot of your crop. If you don't, you spray and you don't have any of these problems and you just, you know, there's chemicals. I believe that there's chemicals 
in the, in the wine and I don't like to drink it for that reason. Yeah. Um, I, but I mean, every producer I visited lost, you know, some of them are losing 75% of their harvest oh in 2023. God. Yeah. And I mean, it was really heartbreaking to be going through the vineyards and there's just, you know, they just cut the grapes and leave them on the ground. And, yeah. um, it just smells like vinegar. It just smelled like vinegar. It was really, I think, you know, when that happens, I come from a farming family and I, I know about farming and, and that being a farmer can be like living on the knife's edge because mm-hmm. you're, and you know, my family does dry land farming and um, you know, you're relying on the weather and it's the same thing, you know, certainly in Champagne and all over France and Italy, there's very little irrigation allowed. A lot of people don't realize that um, because there's so much irrigation in America, they really, they just think that irrigation is part of, wine growing and it's it's not in the old world it's very unusual to be well, um, for I irrigation to be allowed i think in many farms irrigation is necessary in vineyards uh to your yeah. point the make those make those vines really really work to get that yeah. water and it's really count- and they will they will yeah they will mm-hmm. yeah when we were in paso we found out some of those roots were 30 feet down yes and that's it still blows me away, right? It's yeah. very contraindicated to me mm-hmm. that yeah, it's like basically you, you three stress, yards. Yeah, mm-hmm. so three meters. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's again fascinating about the, the world of wine. Um, you <laughs> want to talk about what's coming up in the future? Oh, since we've got one more time to mention uh, Pinot Men- Menoir. <laughs> Not Menoir. <laughs> I can never say it. Meunier. Thank you. Meunier. Meunier. I don't see where Pinot Meunier is. It's coming up. I see it. It's coming up. Is it the 16th? It is the 16th of December. Yes. Of December. Yes. Oh, yes. I love Meunier. Oh, it's wonderful. National Cabernet Front Day is 12 4. Yep. National Prohibition Repeal Day. We are going to 5th. talk about that. Yes. Um, World Asi Day? Yeah, do you know what um, Asu wine is? No. It's got botrytis, noble rot. You're talking about the grapes flying off and, and rotting, which I think ultimately would be good for the compost and natural aspect of it. But yeah. uh, the, the noble rot really uh, is something that gets a bad name. But on, on that yeah. wine, it's actually, a, it, it needs that. But and it's sweet. We probably won't be having any. Just like Sauterne. Like Sauterne, yeah. Exactly. Just like Sauterne. Um, yeah, the um, noble rot is the noble form of gray rot. It's not gray rot, it's noble. It is noble. The noble gray rot. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, as you mentioned, the 16th. Pinot, yeah, Munier. We pretty much just call it Munier now. Probably still, they probably still have it listed as Pinot Munier, but Champagne they call it Munier. When we have guests and they say, uh, "I say, what would you like?" And do you have any Pinot? Yes, I pour a Pinot Noir. I'm like, no, I'm looking for Pinot Gris. I'm like, no, don't have that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Not that there's not good Pinot Gris out there. Oh my goodness, Alsace, Phil. Yes, right. There I have met a woman in Alsace that oh, can't wait for those wines to get here. Is that we a start of a song? I met a woman in Alsace. <laughs> well, if it's not, it ought to be, right? It should be. Um, next week, we have a whole lot going on. We have no guests next week, it's which a, is okay. Like We're going to take meeting. a breath. It's a business <laughs> meeting, yes. We're opening a Cabernet Franc 
for in honor of Cabernet Franc Day. And we have a number of them that we can choose from. We have a Cabernet Sauvignon, which we will open from the winner, Shelley, of the Apple Cup, mm-hmm. which is going to be passing time wines because the Huskies are going to beat the Cougs. But oh, if the Cougs happen to upset the Huskies, we do have a little Bledsoe family winery or double back wine, just in case the <laughs> unfathomable ha- happens. Am I right, Marilee? The Huskies go dogs. I think so. I'm going to have to say go dogs. Yeah. I mean, I did not go to the University of Washington. I went to Seattle U, but I was a, a big, oh. um, I was Seattle a big U. Husky football fan in those days. Absolutely. Um, Seattle U, the, uh, Fal- uh, no, that's UP, uh, USP, University of Puget Sound. What is Seattle U's uh, mascot? I forgot. They're, because they, Jeez, they've changed it. Um, yeah. Red Riders, Red Riders, something like something that. Yeah, like it used that. to be it used to be the Chieftains when I was there. But yeah, way back. Oh my gosh, that's right. Way then they back. went through a huge hiatus of no sports, and now they have sports again. So, yeah. uh, Seattle, you well, it's right down the street from where you live. So there you go. It it's funny that I ended up um, <laughs> living not that far from. Yeah, there. yeah, I didn't go. I didn't. Yeah, I I travel, but I always come back home to Seattle. Yep. Yep. Uh, I followed a girl to Coeur d'Alene and I haven't been back to Seattle since. You've been back to visit. Uh, I've been back to visit. Uh, Tomorrow is the Apple Cup game. Just let. And then next week, we're also having another installment of our Wine Time Fridays Charity Sips, a toast to good deeds. (laughs) Marilee, you have done a good deed today by hanging with us. And sending us wine. And sending us wine. (laughs) That was a very good deed. Yes. Maybe it was three good deeds. Three good we'll, deeds. We'll go each, good deeds. A good deed for each bottle. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so thank you for that. Thank you for being a guest. By the way, uh, when you pour a really good glass of wine and someone says, man, the, the winemaker really had it going on. I think he knows what he's doing. And Marilee oh, can go, yeah, you got most did. of that right, but it's not a he. And uh, the beauty behind this is that we're pouring absolutely quality, outstanding wines. Again, this this red wine that we had, $34. I'm sorry. This is unbelievable uh, wine for the price point. is fantastic. And to your point, this could be easily double in price. Yeah. And and it would it would hold up. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, I agree. And then you find out that it's a female winemaker, and it just cuts through all those barriers and stereotypes and all of that stuff because uh, they shouldn't be there to begin with. And so, thank you so much for what you're doing to help uh, continually evolve women in wine. Thank you very much. Um, and thank you for bringing in quality wines as well and being with us today. It is such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for um, wanting to know the story of Iola and wanting to share it. I really appreciate it. And if um, people have questions, they're always welcome to get in touch with me. It's easy to find me on Instagram at Iola Wines, or you can just shoot an email to hello at Iola Wines. Or if you're all in and you love what this is about, then join one of our clubs. Perfect. And you have options over those clubs as well. Yeah. 
We're linking below. And we are linking below to all of the above. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Oh, that was uh, cool. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I have my moments, uh, if not accidentally. A uh, huge thanks to today's sponsors, Seven Sellers and Elsom Sellers. And Shelly, with a little bit of knowledge, wine becomes a lot less overwhelming. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Marilee. Have an awesome weekend. We'll see you next week to open a Passing Time Wine and a Cabernet Franc. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Seven Cellars is on a roll. In 2015, John Elway and Robert Mondavi Jr. started producing exceptional wines that people would not only enjoy drinking, but would also be proud to share, and they haven't looked back. In 2017, they were named one of the best wine clubs by Wine Enthusiast magazine. And in 2019, their wines were featured at the White House State Dinner. And now they've made it easy for you to enjoy their wines at your dinner table too. As a listener to Wine Time Fridays, you can have them delivered right to your front door with 20% off and free shipping by visiting 7sellers.com and using promo code It's Wine Time at checkout. 7 Sellers excellence in every sip quality grapes good times and great wine are meant to be shared since 2006 elsom cellars has been producing 100 local washington wine from washington's top vineyards our wines offer distinctive flavors born of a singular desire to create the quintessential gesture of hospitality Owner Jody Elsom is a pioneer in the Seattle urban wine movement and, as a family-owned winery, Jody's kids have made a big impact on how we do things here. They not only have wines named after them, they also help name our wine club, which we now refer to as Corks on the Loose. For more information on Elsom Cellars, please visit elsomcellars.com or simply call 425-298-3082. for spending part of your day to wind down with Shelly and Phil. Remember, you can listen to any episode of the Wine Time Fridays podcast by visiting winetimefridays.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us on our Wine Time Fridays Facebook page, Instagram, YouTube channel, or on Twitter, which is at Vintage Tweets for daily conversation. Until next week, here's our toast to you. To health, wealth, abundance, gratitude, peace on earth, and of course, romance. Uh, are you, uh, you have, is three hours okay for this? <laughs> that, that works great. That's perfect. perfect. Actually, I mean, I won't be three. four. So yeah, I mean, if you want to only you know cut it back to three, that, that that's fine. Hey, maybe it will go so long you won't even have to go to bed and you just drive straight to the airport. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, yeah. The French call that a um, nuit blanche, a white night. White night. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was a lot of great information. Oh, it's fantastic. I hope I didn't over geek out on you. I can no, no get more. Going. The, the more geeky, the better, in my well, opinion. If you want yeah. more geekiness at some point down the future, I'd love to come back. You two are a lot of fun. Uh, thank you. Well, it's mostly Shelly. We'd love to have you back. That would be great. Have you had any? Um...